Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you. It's my honor to bring the word to you. Who's glad they're in church? Who'd rather be in church than having dental implants? All right, you can take your seats. Last week, Pastor John announced that our word for the year is arise. What a great message it was. From Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you, including you guys online. Then he gave us three points to shape our year as a church. Number one, we're going to arise with the feet of courage. Number two, shine with a heart of compassion. We've seen that already, haven't we, with Malachi. And then thirdly, to see with the eyes of expectation. Do you see through the eyes of expectation or limitation? Which do you see with? The title of the message is this, Arise in Expectation. So why don't we do that? Why don't we rise to our feet? We're going to read God's Word and then we're going to pray. And so often in these moments, it's the level of expectation that determines the level of impartation. It really is. So we're going to come around God's word. One verse, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him. We're focusing on God this morning. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Father, we want to thank you for the truth of your word. And in these next few moments, we pray that we would have eyes of expectation. Minds filled with revelation. Lord, that you would speak to us. You would do what only you can do. In the hearts of the people in this room, in the hearts of everyone watching online or listening to me on a podcast, have your way we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said with a bit of expectation, amen. Amen. You can take your seats. A couple of weeks ago, Rach and I were speaking in Cambridge. Ten years ago, I would have found it incredibly intimidating speak in one of the world's epicenters of education because I didn't come from an educated family. Maybe it's because we were farmers from the Northeast. Or maybe it was because when my dad finished his primary school, the head teacher lined up all the kids and he walked along the road one by one, encouraging each of them. But when he came to my dad, he looked him in the eye and he said, Morstan, you will bring untold misery on your family. And he walked off. How we know that's really encouraging when you're nine? 
Words we speak are incredibly powerful. By the way, he couldn't have been more wrong. No one as a result in the history of our family ever went to university. So when I got accepted into the London School of Theology, aged 18, to do a degree in theology, it was a big deal. I fell out of my depth and I was the youngest male in college. I think the vice principal, by the way, what a great name for someone in a Bible college. Nick, someone got that at the back, which I'm glad about that. His name was Nick Mercer, and in my first term, he took me under his wing. He invited me to drive his BMW, which was awesome. I drove him into London where he spoke. He'd had a master's from Cambridge in creation and evolution, and when he spoke, I was like, wow, this guy is amazing. Two weeks later, there was a guy invited to speak in the church I was attending at the time. His name was Dr. Donald Guthrie. We were actually studying his book in our Bible college, his introduction to the New Testament. Some of you might have read it. It's about that thick. I couldn't wait for this guy to speak. The day before, he was in his 90s. He fell ill. So he called the college, said, can you get someone else to speak in my place? And guess who Nick Mercer chose? It's me. First time I'd ever preached in that area, and so I was passionate about God's Word. I loved God's Word. I prepared it meticulously, and I took my manuscript to Dr. Nick Mercer. I asked him to look at it, and he read through it, and he came to a part where I'd mentioned a piece of artwork. And he's from the South, and he kind of looked at me with a very condescending attitude, and he said, well, Morstan, you're not really the sort of person that would refer to a piece of art, are you? I felt so patronized I wanted to punch him, which is not good when you're a preacher. (laughs) But I remember in that moment, through his words, it was as if seeds entered my mind. I started to think, I don't belong here. I'm not that smart. I went from expectation to limitation. And many of you in this room have been through experiences in life where expectation was knocked out of you. Maybe it was something somebody said, something somebody did to you. Little voice said, you're not good enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not capable enough, someone hurt you. So instead of speaking up and stepping out, you step back inside the walls of low expectation and limitation and you hide hoping nobody will call you out. As Alexander Pope says, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. Anyone online ever felt like that? Dr. Martin Seligman is the founder of positive psychology. He studied people who went through trauma and setbacks in life. Seligman watched how people in India trained elephants. They take a baby elephant, they drive a thick wooden pole into the ground, cement it in, they would tie an iron chain to an elephant's leg, and when the elephant reached the outside of the chain, it couldn't go any further, it would pull against a thick pole cemented into the ground. And so the baby elephant would try another direction, and of course, as soon as the chain went taut, couldn't move. And it would do this for days and weeks and months, but at some point, The elephant gives up and stops trying. Seligman called it learned helplessness. 
Then what they'd do is they'd take that, they'd sell that elephant to a circus. Many years later, it's been conditioned that whenever it feels the pull of the chain, it'll just stop. So they'd take these huge elephants, I mean, half the size of this stage, and they'd put a tiny little wooden stake, put it a few inches into the soil, attach a thin little chain, but as soon as the elephant feels the chain, it would just stop. Why? Because it's learned helplessness. I mean, you look at it and it's crazy. You should think at any moment, this massive elephant could simply give it one of those and the whole thing would go flying. But it never does because it's learned helplessness. Learned limitation. I wonder whether you've ever allowed a small wooden stake to limit you and your life. For me, it was those few words from Nick Mercer. For 25 years, I believed I wasn't smart enough to do a master's. I was intimidated when intelligent people were in the conversation. Say, Steve, it's just like me. How do I break free? Dr. Seligman also comments on a study that has been done on rats. Someone asked you this weekend, what did you do at church? We learned about elephants and rats. They would drop rats into a bucket of water to see how long a rat can survive swimming. It would be about 10 minutes. When it got to 10 minutes, it would struggle and it would look as if it was about to die. So here's what they do. They did. They picked the rat up and then they fed it. And then they put it back into the bucket of water. It would swim this time for 18 minutes. It looked like it was going to get exhausted and die. So what did they do? They picked it up. They dried it off. They fed it, put it back down, and each time they'd reach in, lift it out, feed it. Do you know how long the rat learned to swim for? 37 hours. Dr. Seligman said, if you can learn helplessness, you can learn hopefulness. You can know that Someone is going to reach in and pick you out and feed you and sustain you. And this morning, the rats are here to preach for you. Because if you feel like you're drowning, if you feel like giving up, there's a God in heaven. And he can reach into whatever you're going through. And he can pick you up. And he can feed you and sustain you. So keep going. Keep swimming. Keep believing in him. If you can learn helplessness. You can learn hopefulness. Sometimes all we need to do is arise in expectation. Through the elephant, we learn the power of limitation, but through the rats, the power of expectation. Sometimes all you need to do is arise. Psalm 145, 15, it says this, the eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation and you give them food in due time. Whenever you come to God, believe in him, have a little bit of expectation. He sees you, he hears you and he reaches into whatever you're going through and he feeds you and says, come on, keep going. You can do this. The Bible is filled 
with scriptures that refer to expectation. And I've learned in life a little bit of advice that I actually learned from Pastor John when we came back from Australia. He spoke to Rachel and I in the first week and he said this, he said, have a low expectation of men and a high expectation of God. That's a great bit of advice. Some of us, we put too much expectation in men and they're flawed and they disappoint us and they let us down, but God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there for you. Seeing what you're going through, have a high expectation of God. And so as we look through some of these scriptures in the Bible, the Bible is made up of 66 different books, if you knew. And uh, I'm just going to take a few of the books within the Bible and tell you what it says about expectation. Firstly, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. I love that. Jeremiah says, blessed is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is in the Lord. Are you getting this? Hosea 2.15, then I will give her her vineyards from there and make the valley of Achor a door of hope and expectation. That word achor, the valley of achor, it means trouble, in the valley of trouble, when you feel like a rat, when you feel like you can't make it, God says, I'm gonna open a door. It's a door of hope and expectation. It says, anticipating the time when I will restore my favor on her. If you're struggling, if it feels dark, if you're in a valley, thank God, God can open a door and favor is coming because he loves you, he wants the best for you and his favor endures for a lifetime. Amen. Man, what an intelligent looking bunch of people I'm looking at. I'm believing for favor in your life. Let's go back to 1 Peter 1 verse 3. This is Charles Dickens' favorite verse. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live with no expectation or a little bit of expectation. Because of what God has done, we can live with great expectation. Thank you. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's really clap. When you focus on God's word, you can break the chains of limitation and arise with expectation. You know, it's the voices that you're listening to which determine whether you're learning limitation or expectation. It's a question. Whose voice are you listening to? Let me take you back to that Bible college story, 25 years. 25 years I, until God dealt with my limitation. Katie Cooper came up to me afterwards and said it was 25 years. She'd allowed a doctor's report to limit her. Some of you have lived and camped in a place of limitation for months, for years, and for decades. But the good news is God doesn't want you to stay there. 
25 years later, it was 2013, I was working in Brisbane. I met a man by the name of Dr. Van Shaw. He was an Albanian refugee. We called him Van Google. He had a PhD in theology in the book of Revelation. The guy's a genius. You can ask him anything. And this guy became almost like a father to me. And I remember the first few weeks that I met him. We'd meet in the corridor and we'd talk about individual Greek words. If you knew, the Bible was originally, the New Testament was written in Greek. And he could speak it fluently and we'd talk about theology and he'd say, Steve, you've got an amazing mind. And I'd just ignore him. He said, why don't you do your master's? I said, oh, well, I'm busy. I'm got two kids and, you know, my wife needs me. <laughs> Joke. Because <laughs> that's what we do, isn't it? We hide behind the walls of low expectation. We look at all the reasons we can't do something. He kept going on at me. He's a man of the word, a man of truth. And one day he eyeballed me and he pointed at me and he said, Steve, there's more in you. There's someone listening to me online, there's more in you. There's someone in this room, there's more in you. You've been looking at the stake in the ground, but God is looking at you and he's seeing a powerful elephant. He's seeing all that he can do. There's more in you. 25 years I'd lived with this. Nick Mercer or Van Shaw. I wonder who's your Nick Mercer. I wonder who's your Van Shaw. Which one are you listening to? Which voice is most influential in your life? And as a result, I signed up to do my master's. It was a huge thing for me. A lot of hours, a lot of work. The first week, got the timetable. It said that it was a one-week intensive on academic writing. Let me tell you, it was from the pit of hell. I had to fly down and spend a week. The lecturer got up, Dr. Denise Austin, and she said, each of you, 30% of your final grade will be based on a 30,000 word thesis. And she said, I want you to write it in the perfect tense. I'm thinking I'm from Ferry Hill Comprehensive. I don't even know what the perfect tense was. I literally Googled it while she was talking to me. And she said, at the end of this course, we're believing that one of our graduates will have their thesis published in an academic journal. And honestly, in the inside, I'm thinking, you are having a laugh. You are on drugs. You shouldn't even be, if you think I'm even going to pass it, that's going to take a sovereign move of God. And anyway, when I came to my final thesis, I studied a single Greek word for one year. And I wrote my final thesis. And here's the miracles. Number one, I wrote it. All right, so that was like a miracle. Number two, I passed. All right. Number three, I got 84%, which was an A, you little ripper. Number four, on the day of my graduation, posted from Australia, was this little glass plaque. It says, an award for academic excellence. I got the highest mark in the whole cohort in the country. How good is God? One week later, my supervisor, Dr. Denise Austin, emailed me, said, I'd like to present 
your paper at a global Pentecostal conference of theologians. Can I do it? I said, of course you can. And they loved it. And at the end of all of the papers presented, they said, we'd like to publish yours in an academic journal. And there it is. God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. Oh. It's really funny because they're all PhDs and professors from different universities, Macquarie and Bangor, and, and they've all got their names and their qualifications, and mine says Steve Morstan, farmer's lad. No, it doesn't. <laughs> God can do exceedingly and abundantly. So let's look at this verse. It's a verse we quote a lot. It's a verse I'd never really studied until a couple of weeks ago. It says, now to him who is able. That word able in Greek is the word dunamis, from which we get some English words like dynamo, dynamic, dynamite. It literally means able, capable, strong, and powerful. Now to him who is able, he is capable, he is strong, he is powerful. But I wonder, do we understand just how able, how capable our God is? See, sometimes it's not enough to read the Bible. Sometimes you've got to see it. So I want us to see it. Is that okay? If we go on a little journey together. I'm going to go there anyway, even if you don't want to. So if you put that little statement backwards, now to him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Let's look at it in reverse. God is able to do, he's capable enough, he's strong enough and powerful enough to do more than you think. You know, your greatest limitation is often your thinking. Anyone else relate to that? For me, it was 25 years. I wonder how long it's been that way for you. But God can do more than you think. But it also says he can do more than you ask or think. Some of you don't ask God for much because you don't have enough expectations. Some of you ask God for lots. You're the big thinkers, that's, all, that's awesome. But the good news is for every one of you, God has the capability and capacity and ability to do way more than you can think or ask. He's amazing, so we're starting to get the picture. Now earlier, I mentioned that I'd done my master's on a single Greek word. Did anybody, please, anybody wonder what was the word? Did anybody? Good, good, because when you write a master's thesis, nobody reads it, not even your mom, all right? So can I at least tell you what the word was, all right? I know I've told some of you, but if you knew, here's what the word was. It's a really fascinating word. It, it comes from um, Romans 8:37. It says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, in English, we are more than conquerors. Five words is one word in Greek. It's this word, hyper 
Nikomen. The word hyper, some of you have got hyperactive kids, all right? If you want to buy something in Norwich, you can go to Norwich Market. You can go to Tesco, that's a supermarket. Or you can go to Costco, that's a hypermarket. It's intense, it's bigger. So that's hyper. It's an intensifier. Hyper is the first part, it's a compound word. The second part of the word is nikomen, from which we get the word Nike. Anyone wearing any Nike gear? Nike means to be victorious or to conquer. So when the Bible says you are hyper-nikomen, it means you're not just a conqueror. You're not just a super-conqueror. You are a hyper-conqueror. Why? Because God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. It's a great word, hyper-nikomen. I didn't just tell you that to show off. I showed you that to introduce you to another word which we find in Ephesians 3.20. I only saw this two weeks ago, and it blew my mind. So for you guys online, I hope you're getting this. And because here where it says exceedingly and abundantly and above in Ephesians 3.20, I want you to notice it's three words. Exceeding, abundant, and above. And the reason that there's three words is because Paul uses an incredible word. It's this word, it's hyper, ek, perisu. And so it's three words that are strung together. Hyper, ek, perisu. It's an amazing word. Because Paul doesn't just use one word. He doesn't even use a compound word like hypernicomen. He chooses to string three words together so that we can get it. It's not just a compound, it's a double compound. F.F. Bruce said it's not just a superlative, it's a super superlative. Because only then can our minds comprehend this. And if you break these words down, hyper means exceedingly. The word ek, it means abundantly. And the word above means perisu. So what does that mean? I've got to get this right because I've got it wrong in the first service. I'm preaching my heart out and I've got it completely wrong. So I'm doing good. So God can do more than you think and more than you ask. But here's the good news. He can do a lot more. He can do above what you can think or ask. But it's even better than that. He can do abundantly. That's a good Norfolk word, isn't it? Abundantly. He doesn't just do a little bit more than you can think or ask. He can do abundantly. This is starting to get tall, but it's not even that. This is like Mr. Kipling, exceedingly. He can do exceedingly and abundantly and above all you can ask or think. You've got to see this. Please never shrink God down to the level of what you can think. Why? Because he can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. Why? Because it's his capacity, his ability, his power and his strength. I wonder where you've been pitching your faith. If you've been looking at the wooden stake or the power of an elephant... God can do exceedingly and abundantly. As the worship team come up, there's one more aspect to this verse that I love. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we can ask, I think, but it doesn't end there, does it? The verse goes on to say this. It says, according to the power that works. Where? 
in us. In us. Now, if you were to backtrack a little bit in Ephesians, you'll see that God's already talked about the exceeding greatness of God's power in Ephesians 1.19. So let's just look at this briefly. You still with me online? Come on, give me a smile. Ephesians 1.19, it says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working, there's that word again, working, of his mighty power, which he worked, where? In Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. It's talking about the exceeding greatness of God's power. Where do we first see that power at work, that power released, that power operating in the earth? It says that we saw it in Ephesians 1, in Christ. When Jesus' body was dead and God raised him from the dead. God worked, God let loose his power and I love it. Now let's look at Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we can ask or think according to the power that works where? In us. Whose power is it? It's God's power. Where does it work? In us, in you, it works in you, it works in your life, it works in your marriage, it works in your body if you need a miracle, it works in your children, it works in whatever situation you find yourself in. Whose power is it? I don't know about you, but I need that power. There are so many things in life where my power and my thinking only causes limitation. And there are times when I just have to lift my eyes in expectation, like my dad did when my brother was given 24 hours to live with meningitis. The doctors took my mom and dad into a side room, said, your son is gonna die, you'd better say goodbye. All the doctors focus on is limitation, but thank God he lifted up his eyes in expectation and he said, God, would you heal my son? He just turned 50. He beats me at golf, which I hate, but it's incredible that God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above all you can ask or think according to His power, which works in you. Paulie Southgate, he is a guitarist. We're going to sing a song in just a second. And he represents a person focusing on their limitation. And so often our lives are a bit like this, if you can just play. He's playing. He's playing, but we can't hear him. Why not? Because there's no power. There's no power. It's according to the power that works in it. So production team, if you start to crank him up, come on, you play, Paul. Come on, a bit louder. 
Come on, you play. For some of you, God says, I'm gonna give you my power. I'm gonna fill you with my power. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good He is. It's His exceeding power. It's His capability. So come on, why don't we all stand together? I'm not gonna try and jump on there. We're gonna sing a song. We're gonna sing this song. How many of you would be honest enough to say, I have a situation right now where I need God's power. Come on, put up your hand if that's you. You guys online, put it in the chat. Some of you, you feel like those rats. You feel like you're drowning. God is saying, hey, I wanna come in with my power and I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna strengthen you. There's power in the name of Jesus. So come on, you lift up your hands. You lead us, God. I'm going to sing that song one more time in just a moment, but I'm going to invite Rachel to pray for you in your situation, for you guys watching online, for Malachi one more time, we're going to pray for you. But come on, if you need something broken, if you need to break free of a limitation, maybe it's a mindset, maybe it's something physical, but come on, one more time. Why don't you reach out to God as Rachel prays? Come on, right in this moment, we can see miracles. Lift both hands if you feel comfortable and recognise that we're going to step beyond the barriers of limitation and we release expectation right now. Lord, we thank You for Your Word that says what You accomplished on the cross through Jesus and the Spirit that raised You from the dead is that same power that gives life to our mortal bodies. the level of your own limitations. That there's a God who loves you and wants the best for you. Maybe you're here in this room or you're watching online and you've never made that decision, that conscious choice to invite God, to invite Jesus to come in to the centre of your life because that's what it means to be a Christian. Because when you do that, when you make that decision, here's what He does. He forgives you of your sin and your limitations. And what He does is He fills your now with purpose. Then what He does is He gives you an eternal expectation that God's gonna be with you, not just in this life, but for eternity. Friend, the greatest decision you can ever make, I'm telling you, is to invite Christ to come and do all of that in your life. You say, Steve, how do I do that? It's really easy, you pray a prayer. We're gonna do that in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you once prayed that prayer. You were once walking with God, but your own limitations got you off course. You've drifted so far away from Him and you know this morning, it's time to come back. Friend, He still loves you. He wants the best for you. 
And so I'd love to pray for anyone in this room, anyone online, from the youngest to the oldest, teenager, middle-aged person, older person, no matter what your background, God loves you and He wants to come in in this moment. So here's what we're gonna do. Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. And He's here with you. This is a personal moment between you and Him. If you say, Steve, I wanna get right with God, would you pray for me? I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing. That's just to raise your hand high enough and long enough so I can see it. Then you can pop it back down. I'm not gonna call you out. We're all gonna pray together as a big church family. So if that's you, if you wanna get right with God, when I count to three, just slip up your hand all across this room. Are you ready? One, two, three, slip it up. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful, thank you over here. I love that. Thank you at the back there. See your hand, my friend. It's beautiful. God loves every one of you. So everyone look at me. Here's what we're gonna do. We're all as a big church family. We're all gonna repeat this prayer after me. If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, but you meant it from your heart, you repeat this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, you see every hand. You see every heart, especially those that are hurting. Thank, thank you that right now you're coming in by the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we put our hands together? Congratulate people online, people in the room. I love it. Those of you that raise your hand, hopefully one of our team may have seen you. If not, as you walk out, You'll see team holding Bibles. They came especially to meet you. They're waiting for you. I'd really encourage you. There's three things that are gonna help you. You've taken the first step, but there are many other steps in this journey. Your next step is to get a Bible. The step after that is to read it. And the third step is to come back to church. If you're from another church, go to that church. If you're watching online, either come in the building or watch again, all right? But let us know in the chat. There's some details on there, how we can help you, get something to you. But come on, us. why don't we one more time congratulate those people who just made the greatest decision of your life. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.